to Fashion Africa Now podcast. Today I'm speaking to Bonaventure. Hello, Bonaventure. Hello. It's a pleasure to have you here. The pleasure is mine. Can you briefly introduce yourself to us? Well, I'm Bonaventure Sobejeng Dikung. Um, I was born in Cameroon. Moved to Berlin two decades ago. Wow. So it's been quite a long time. And I'm, um, I was trained as a biotechnologist. Um, did a master's in food biotechnology and a PhD in medical biotechnology and uh, a postdoc in biophysics. And all along I've been doing art as a curator working with artists, writing, doing art critique. And um, in 2009, I founded an art space called Savvy Contemporary, you know. Um, and I'm still the artistic director of that space, you know, a space that hosts some 34 people from 15 countries around the world wow. that work there. And we, we do art, you know. Amazing. Yeah. That's, wow. that's who I am. <laughs> People yeah. out there, this is just a short, short, short version. This man, I have to tell you, I'm so honored <laughs> to have him on Fashion African Our Podcast. He's traveling a lot. He's busy. He's one of the most wanted curators worldwide. I wish I could be in his head for one day. <laughs> He's, he, as he said, he founded Savi, an art space here in Germany. He was one of the creators for Documenta in Greece, taking place also in Germany. A guest curator at Dark Art Biennale 2018. Um, artistic director of Bamako uh, Photography Biennale. Um, now he's also an artistic director of Sonbeak. He's written five books. I'm just pleased. Bonaventure. It's amazing. <laughs> I even cannot put everything into words. But what You're too you, kind. <laughs> <laughs> what you have been doing um, in the art field from your perspective, being a man of African origin, born in Cameroon, living in Germany, I have to tell you, it's really amazing because to be socialized here in germany it's a different thing this is what i just want to tell you out there you can't compare it to paris or london and um, to be able to push the culture forward the way bonaventure is doing it is it's really uh, it's 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 special and I, I want also to point out one, one book of yours. Um, Those who are dead are not ever gone. On the maintenance of supremacy, ethnological museum and intricacies of Humboldt Forum, the institution of the ethnological museum or world museum seems to be in the midst of serious crisis of choking. 
the delicacies that most of these museums have acquired, which is to say co-opt, which is to say ingested, seem to have collectively missed the track to, this is a huge word, osophagus, <laughs> and got stuck in the respiratory tract. They have been stuck there for as long as the history of mass collections, acquisitions, and looting, for as long as the ruthless and ongoing extraction of cultural property has occurred in the former colonies outside of Europe. This is a statement. Hmm. Bona, please give us <laughs> an insight about this. Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation. I'm really honored. And as I said earlier, I'm amazed by the work you've been doing in the past years. And I've been privileged to to see that grow, you know, to, um, to see the steps you've taken in the years. And, and I think that that has laid a foundation for many others that are coming. <clears throat> Thank you. I really think it's it's very much about that, you know. We're not going to do all the work ourselves, you know. We need to do what we can do yeah. and pass on the baton at some point, you know. But before we pass on the baton, we must be, you know, um, satisfied with what we've done, what we've accomplished. And I'm rather um, pleased with what you've put together so far. So, um, you know, the book you just mentioned that came out as a pamphlet um, was, you know, a study of uh, the situation of ethnographic museums today and the fact that, um, you know, they've looted, in most of the cases, looted so many so-called objects from around the world and, you know, and they're found in their museums today. And I yeah. think they've come to a cul-de-sac. They don't really know what to do with them. So that's why I use the the metaphor of choking. You know, it seems as if something is stuck there and yeah. they need help, you know. So uh, one of the helps is for them to just give back. Just give them back, you know. Give back what is, doesn't belong to you. Exactly. What it belongs to other people peoples, other cultures, and these people have values for them. So I make yes. a series of arguments there. Yeah. One of the arguments being that, you know, a lot of the so-called objects are not really objects, they're subjects, they have subjectivities, they have meaning. Um, so people, the people from whom it was taken, they do need them. Yeah. For, 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 for most of the institutions in the West... These are just aesthetic structures, mm -hmm. aesthetic objects. But for some other people, they really have subjectivities. They mm -hmm. really have meaning, you know. Exactly. So I try to give these arguments. I, 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 one of the arguments I give is also that a lot of the so-called objects have, you know, function as anchors within society, as mm. be bearings, you know. Mm -hmm. So by taking them away from these people, the people lose their bearings, mm -hmm. you know. So I want to try to argue that 
one of the ways of living in the world, in this post-colonial world today, yeah. is for these people to find their bearings. And I think that a lot of the problems we see, you know, in a lot of African countries, for example, but other places, yeah. is a lack of, you know, these bearings. You know, people yeah. have lost their situation, the, the things which help them to situate themselves within society, yeah. you know. Okay. So, I, I, and I think we need to make, bring up more of such arguments, you yeah. know, to make the point of uh, not only restitution, but really uh, rehabilitation. Yes. But also, yes. you know, reparation, you know. Yes. So we really need to come up with these arguments. And it's not just... Uh, an epistemic thing it's really it's a it's a duty it's a political act mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. i think this is a, a short um all yeah. right but mm -hmm. do you think it's it's really possible to do a reparation because i think so much damage has mm -hmm. been made there is already so much mm -hmm. confusion and and everything has been historically somehow mm -hmm. twisted and mm -hmm. I'm not sure if if it's possible or to look into mm -hmm. something new. Yes, but you know, a reparation never means that you need you have to undo something, you know, mm -hmm. or even if you were to undo it. A reparation is a process, you know. Okay. It starts with the acknowledgement of the error okay. and the acknowledgement of that which has been done wrong. Mm -hmm. It starts with... Uh, also with an apology. It starts with um, being cognizant. And so so it's not only like the restitution of objects and, mm -hmm. and reparation of objects. It's also the reparation of dignity, mm -hmm. you know, giving people their dignity back. Yeah. You know, so of course you're right. A lot has gone wrong. Uh, we've moved on. We're no longer... Uh, in the 19th or the 18th century or the 16th century for yeah. that matter things have moved on but we have to look at this from a two-way street in my mm -hmm. opinion we have to constantly look ahead yeah. and behind okay. we constantly have to look uh, because this ahead and behind are also somehow because we have to rethink notions of time yeah. because the notion of the future and the past also uh, are, are in the present mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. I'm, what I'm trying to say is that <clears throat> we have to think of new ways of being in the world yes. but we don't have to completely forget the way we've always been in the world okay. so 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 especially within the African context, it's very important to also see that, say, the colonial enterprise, yes. you know, let's say it existed um, for 400, 500 years, um, but, you know, the being of people on the African continent is much longer than that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we need to see, you know, epistemic structures and social structures that existed before. Yes. And of course, to see how they've changed now, but how we can learn from those moments. I'm not saying we just have to go pre-colonial, yes. because things have definitely changed, mm -hmm. but how do we learn from some of these ways of being in the world to be able to exist in this world yes. you know, now? And not just, you know... Um, 
trying to be like another, yes. trying to appropriate things that have been forced upon us, yes. trying to, you know, so because I, I give you an example, you know, mm-hmm. going to school in Cameroon, for example, yes. you know, um, you know, you do 14 years of school and you don't have any um, class of art. You don't do art. You don't, you because they consider it irrelevant, you know. But this is what has been imposed on the curriculum, on the school curriculum by, yeah. you know, the, the, the colonizers, you mm-hmm. know. So the, the, the British and the, and the French systems, mm. you know, impose this such that, you know, even things that are of value to us, you know, in the school I went to, you're not allowed to speak your your language, your mother tongue, you were not, you know, you had to yeah. speak on the English or French, wow. you know. So, uh, but how do, so my, what I'm trying to say is, how do we create space for these languages? You know, the possibility of speaking them. And the yeah. more you speak them, the more you understand, you know, the nuances, because the philosophy is in the language as well. Yes. You know, the proverbs are, you know, the means through which the philosophy is passed on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, idioms and so on and so forth. In our songs, yeah. in our Outfits, you know, yes. and what we wear, you know. Yes. So the question then becomes, how do we create space for this? I'm not saying that we should delete, you know, everything from the curriculum, but we have to create space mm-hmm. for other things in that curriculum, you know. So that are very much uh, within our own culture. So yes. I, for one, being in Gemba, I, you know, would like to learn more uh, about what it means you know, to use the body within my culture, you know, okay. performativity, yes. you know, what does it mean uh, to to think through sound, through music, you know, yes. within my, my, my culture? What does it mean, um, you know, what, what kind of rituals mm-hmm. did exist, you know, yeah. why did they exist and so on, you know? So I think in losing this, you know, we, 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 we lose possibilities of really existing within our world. You know, yes. and that that's it. I'm not, I'm not saying anything more than that. <laughs> no, this is mm. so well explained, and I absolutely agree because this is also what I can um, add to. I mean, mm. since I'm raised here in mm. Germany, I'm mm. of Ugandan origin, mm. but in my case, is I, for example, do not speak my language, mm-hmm. and I realized also at one point that the, the language is so important to have, to communicate, to also understand your traditions because mm-hmm. there are wordings, terms mm-hmm. to use. Mm-hmm. And, and if you translate it, it somehow also doesn't make sense anymore because yes. there's a certain expression that works and functions only in that particular language Mm -hmm. and 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 this is how i see it also today that it's important to 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 have a language we all can understand though we are from different backgrounds and and for me it was like wow um if we do not find this language i don't know how we're going to end up so and and one for me is also fashion mm-hmm. i see it mm-hmm. as as a language mm-hmm. everyone Definitely. in the world can understand because mm-hmm. you know and and i think it's it's just some tool mm-hmm. that can communicate and mm-hmm. and and make somehow or, or be also a tool to 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 mm-hmm. uh, to to give a message or mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. yes definitely definitely i mean um I think that goes without saying, you know, it's really, I mean, because first of all, you know, the etymology of fashion, yeah. you know, is facere, 
you know, to make, mm-hmm. to produce, mm-hmm. you know, to to make appear, to make something become, yeah. you know. So it's constantly about your becoming. So on a daily basis, yes. you know, whatever you put on, yes. you know, tells a story about you, narrates something mm-hmm. about your history about the politics of your time and so on and so forth it is always a statement you know it is always making Mm -hmm. you know so so of course you know that is it but now you know in relation to what we just talked about earlier you know so if you if you you would see you know if, if you go around uh the 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 very obvious notion of what is an what is african fashion for example would then be, you know, this uh, Holland wax and so on and so forth, you know, which I think is, again, the perversion of the colonial enterprise, you know, which uh, kind of reduces Mm -hmm. um, the multiplicities of, of, um, you know, textiles and what people wear on the Mm -hmm. African continent to... Um, the Dutch presence on the African continent and in Asia, you know, yes. these things coming from in, Indonesia. And I, I, I actually took some time a couple of years ago to go to Indonesia to look at oh, these, right. uh, um, you know, textile companies to see how they do the dyeing and so yes. on and so forth. So uh, to just understand these connections, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, it's important then to go back to the African continent and look at the culture of of dyeing, indigo, for example, yes. you know, or the yes. or the uh, or the mud cloth, the Bogolan yes. and Bogolan fini, yes. you know, or to go to Congo and and look at you know mm-hmm. the, the people working with raffia, you know, yes. doing um, the kubashua mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, you know. But this 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 wide, um, you know, variety of expressions, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. say a lot and actually much more about African societies than any books can ever do, yes. you know. So if you, if you take the example of the Kuba Shua, mm-hmm. you know, just the forms, let's, let's you know, let's, we could, we could look at the weaving techniques and so yes. on and so forth, you know, mm-hmm. that is the technology as a whole, yes. which is extremely highly developed, you know, yes. and it has been the case for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Now, but if we look at the patterns that mm-hmm. are being used, the forms, the shapes, you know, mm-hmm. the extreme geographical forms that are being used and what the mean actually yes. within society, that becomes very, very interesting, exactly. you know. If you look at, in, in Cameroon, for example, we have the fabrics, the indigo fabrics called the Ndap, mm-hmm. you know, which comes from the the, 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 the grass field region of Cameroon, mm-hmm. where, where I come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you, you know, it's, it's cotton, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, dyed, mm-hmm. and they do the kind of uh, stitching yes. uh, with, with raffia, yes. and then they, 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 they steep it in indigo, mm-hmm. and when they take it out, they take out the raffia. So you have these shapes, but now mm-hmm. these shapes that, that come to the white that yeah. stays on, you yeah. know, sometimes are cartography, mm-hmm. sometimes they're total maps of the whole city, Imagine. you know. Sometimes yes. they, 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 they are like the constellation of the, of the, the family, you know, yes. the, the building, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the different children. And so, so each yes. family might have their own ndap, mm-hmm. you know, that the word and they pass on from generation to the other. Yes. So it says a lot about, you know, um, you know, who we are, 
where we come from exactly. what we know, believe in what we believe in and so on know, and so forth yes. yes and this is also for me so important to pass on this information because what I see in the fashion field or if I look into it comparing now I mean since the African fashion movement is still young the current one the contemporary this is what I try to make clear that fashion has been there since ever but now what we're seeing in the present it's still a young and fresh one and the fact that is now also on the map on the international map so and 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 therefore i see a lack also of the information of these textiles mm. the younger generation now the younger designers mm. they're open for it they're looking into where am i coming from okay i'm nigerian ghanaian kenyan ugandan and of course west africa blessed with textiles mm-hmm. east africa for us for example mm-hmm. uganda we have back cloth mm-hmm. what is also mm-hmm. now really mm-hmm. a big Sorry. thing yes oh, yeah, sure. And, and you see now also Nigerian designers mm. traveling to Uganda. Mm. And I think this is what, what is so important to come up now with this story. So the society understands, wow, the way we Africans have been actually mm-hmm. operating and also communicating. Mm-hmm. And if I think of hair, mm-hmm. if I think of the hairstyles, what we know here or what is common, the cornrows, mm-hmm. it's also a a hidden language. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. But what, what, what do you think? What does it mm. need? Because this is now what we want to tell. We mm. want to tell the story. Mm. But the Eurocentric mm. views are out mm. there. What, mm. How can we... No. Yeah. Well, you know, um, how to put it? So mm. I think that... Hmm, I, I, don't, I don't think we can afford to, to lament... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there's there's hardly space for that. I think, um, you know, as you said, rightly so, um, the fashion has been there on the African continent forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, what you're talking about, the people that are new, are the people that are ch- trying to uh, to play within, you know, yeah. the kind of a Western... Mm. circle called fashion so mm-hmm. it is about so you, you, basically these new people you're talking about is more about t- having a space within the commodification of fashion mm-hmm. <clears throat> which I think these are two different things you okay. know both are important I mean the, just the fact that you know uh, somebody has the possibility of showing work on a, a catwalk in Paris mm-hmm. or New York it's important economically, but doesn't yes. mean that that's the most important thing, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. I know of people doing work in Congo, yes. you know, or in South Africa that have never shown stuff wherever, yeah. but they're doing incredible work, you know. And <clears throat> I think we just need to... to um, it's not everything that has to be commodified. It's not everything okay. that has to be on the market so to say mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the different layers of markets yeah. you know so the people that are on the ground doing you know the you know the the, the real boo boo you know yes. 
they yes. don't they, you will never see them on any uh, catwalk mm-hmm. nowhere in the world yeah. but they're doing their thing they're selling to everybody and, and mm-hmm. very expensive because it's quite a lot of work in these things you know yeah. very sophisticated outfits mm-hmm. you know and maybe I don't even necessarily want to see them on those catwalks you know yes. if they want they can go but I don't mm-hmm. think that it is the catwalks you know the in, right in Europe or America that have to legitimize their existence you know so so that's the first thing now the second thing is with regards to the, to to eurocentrism well um i think <laughs> hamid dabashi once wrote you know in one yeah. of his articles that you know every place is a center you mm-hmm. know so europeans could consider themselves as a center it matters only if we accept that if oh, we do not accept is, that mm-hmm. then it's it's fine they're mm-hmm. the center but there are different centers as well you know yes. so let us say the world is made up of multiple centers yeah. you know so because uh, you know this the center of uh, banjun or the bamlike land bamlike yes. countries is is such a strong center that in most most of the cases they don't need the european center so, mm-hmm. so the notion of eurocentrism is it matters only if people give that much value to it mm-hmm. okay so what am i trying to say i'm trying to say that um i think there are enough young you know you you, you call them fashion designers I, i call them artists today okay uh, from the african continent that are yes. presenting fabrics yes you know that i think are artworks yes uh, um that could stand any competition in the world you know it doesn't matter where this they, they are and mm-hmm. i do know that a lot of them are being revered and because these guys have you know um they 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 have no shyness and no complexes you know so yeah. i'm 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 really uh, impressed by that this is so good you're saying it because you used one word legitimation And this is exactly where I'm also coming mm-hmm. from. Because for me, and, and also a strong word is validation. Mm-hmm. Because this is what I'm also trying to do in the work. Mm-hmm. It's us who are defining mm-hmm. what we find this exactly. is exactly. African fashion. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the point to have now again an Eurocentric, mm-hmm. um, an Eurocentric saying mm-hmm. or giving the level of what mm-hmm. is now mm-hmm. valid to be mm-hmm. international mm-hmm. or on the international fashion landscape mm-hmm. and this is now where we are in because there's not yet a definition a proper definition of african fashion mm-hmm. we me my colleagues if i talk to my colleague in lagos in senegal in south africa we had also the other day a call mm-hmm. also on the future of african fashion mm-hmm. and i think what is so important now that we understand that it's us mm-hmm. people of african origin mm-hmm. to define mm-hmm. it because what i see is again now the eurocentric take mm-hmm. And actually you gave a good expression by saying fashion you see it as an art piece mm-hmm. because it's it's true the younger generations they're also coming from different backgrounds mm-hmm. and they give a meaning again because they're mm-hmm. seeking into their heritage mm-hmm. so they're going back into their heritage and mm-hmm. finding out mm-hmm. where am I coming from mm-hmm. and implementing it in their clothing mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. I think the the challenge is mm-hmm. 
Let, let, let's mm. walk through a few examples because yeah. you know because I don't know if we need a definition you know okay. because you know I'm a, I'm a bit um, <laughs> skeptical about that because mm-hmm. you know the, the you know the thing about defining things yes. also kind of it, it it tries to put things in a certain box you know okay. it tries to limit things you know but while maybe there are definitions in plural, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't think it actually does need a definition, so mm-hmm. to say, because there's such a wide variety of expressions, you know, it's, un- un- it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's, let's take this, you know, now, mm. because you mentioned a few times, you know, the, the fact that, you know, say the Eurocentric view wants to determine and so mm-hmm. on, that is true in, in one, in, in one sense but i think you might be focusing too much on like the fashion festivals that are happening around here you know mm. because i mean you know because the, 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 the more i travel in the world the more yeah. i see you know if you go to, if i go to bamako on a market day yeah any given market day in yes. in bamako is actually much stronger than the catwalk in paris for the fashion week you know, to be, uh, no, no, but, to, mm-hmm. no, but to be honest mm-hmm. with you, you know, mm-hmm. the sophistication, yes. you know, of, of the outfits of what people wear mm-hmm. and, and, and the way they carry themselves, you know. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, it's important because I know, I know there's an industry, I know there's an economy, yes. you know, and we have uh, uh, some people that are working there and brilliantly so, you know, I mean, if we take the example of somebody like Duro Olowo, yes. you know, Duro is, is doing an incredible job, you know, and, I, and I'm looking in this guy's work, you know, you know, the, 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 the female yeah. collections, you know. Mm. Or your Iman Iyas Ayasi. For Pamela, example, for Iman example, Ayasi, amazing. You know, yeah. but let's let's see. We we'll mm. look at uh, Duro's work. Mm. You know, and you know the incredible sophistication. First of all, mm. the cuts. You know, the in unbelievably fine. You know, cuts mm-hmm. that he presents. You know, and and I mean, because to me that guy is a painter. You know, yeah. and because he doesn't shy away from. Yeah. You know. And he goes beyond all those norms, you know, for, you know, because, you know, he would, he would put, you know, some flowers here yes. and he would put stripes and he would put checkers in on one dress, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things that people might tell you, oh, they don't work together. These mm-hmm. colors don't work together, mm-hmm. you know, but he would put them together, you yes. know, he, yes. he, 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 and then he said, he said, these shapes don't work together, but he would put them together, you know, yes. or different flower types mm-hmm. and so on in one dress, you know. And I think that this, uh, this, uh, this, this is highly informed, in my opinion, mm-hmm. by his Nigerian origin. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, informed by, you know, his, his upbringing in different parts of the world. You know, I was looking at the 2020 collection and, you Amazing, know. Amazing, eh? Unbelievable! The influence, yeah. you know, uh, from from uh, Francois Gillot and and and, yes. and these the, and these photographs that Beth Lesser had, uh, had 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 done with with the, in, in Jamaica, you know, the mm-hmm. reggae movement, mm-hmm. you know, and Beth Lesser's photography. You see, so he, you see the way he works with this, and I think the work is also very much. It's not just inspiration, but translation. You know, mm, mm. translation situating this in our time you know True. so so True. you know and I, and I think you know looking at the, 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 the sketches 
uh, you know, of Francois Gillot and trying to to make stuff out of them yes. today. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible, you know, as I said, translation of something that was in the past to the present, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I think that is that is one way to look at it. Now, I think there are a lot of younger, uh, 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 you know, artists, fashion yeah. designers that are looking at his work yes. and getting inspired and also looking at their immediate environment yeah. and also inspired and bringing this together, mm-hmm. you know. So I think actually I wouldn't, I'm not pessimistic at all. I'm actually very, very optimistic, you know. Okay. Um, maybe another example I would I would like to give you because again, somebody I'm very close to is uh, Abu Bakr Fufana, mm-hmm. you know from Mali, yeah, you know, and the yeah. work he's been doing on uh, dying, you know, Indigo dying, mm-hmm. you know, and he's traveled the world from Japan to Cameroon, yeah. you know, to different places, you know, you know, we presented his work at Documenta 14, you mm-hmm. know, and he planted a couple of uh, Indigo plants from different yes. parts of the world, you yes. know, so he was talking about the history of Indigo. It's so powerful. Oh. Yes, but also, and mm-hmm. I think more importantly, mm-hmm. about the philosophies behind it. Because yeah. you know? in an interview I did with him a few years back, he said, you know, in Bambara Cosmogony, yeah. there, there are 12 shades of indigo, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. from the, the blue of not, nothingness mm-hmm. to the blue of eternity. Amazing. So in this... So in this spectrum, yeah, you know, you can see who is wearing what and what that means, mm-hmm. you know. So and I, I think it, and I, I remember visiting him in his studio in Bamako, and the amount of work that is invested in just finding the right color, yeah. you know, and he's full of he's full of knowledge and and all these anecdotes. He said back in the days, yeah. you know, the the, the uh, somebody who wants an indigo outfit will come to the indigo yeah. master, yes. and and tell him take him out and point to the sky and say, I want that kind of blue, you know. And the Indigo master would, you know, would would produce, you know. And mm-hmm. sometimes it takes months just to put, just to find the right blue, you know. So incredible amount of work, you know. Yeah. So yeah. just to say that. Um, but yes, just to yes. add, what I also mm-hmm. love about Indigo is, mm-hmm. I mean, also the maestas, mm-hmm. that because it's spiritual, mm-hmm. you have to feel it, you have to understand, you have to really, you know, be aware of it that Mm. they cannot do this work also for everybody Mm. oh for sure and this is what i love about indigo if you're really there with a maester who knows about the whole tradition and these spectrums and this is something what is really so interesting because everybody wants always this and that Mm. but it's limited and it depends on your energy Mm. you know and this is it Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, he, he, he once told me that, you know, when you, it used to be the case at least in the past that when you were born, you were given a fabric, an indigo fabric. The child yes. is carried in an indigo fabric. When you get married, you get another one. When you die, they wrap you in an indigo yes. fabric to bury you. So, so in some, it plays uh, very important roles. It's 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 valuable, and when mm-hmm. you're sick, sometimes they cover you with that. It heals as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So so the notion of fashion, um, 
you know, at least from the the, the, the perspectives of the African continent in which I'm familiar with, yes. uh, mean far more than just wearing something trendy, you know. So, yeah, that's how I see it. Wow. Mm. This was an amazing insight. Because mm-hmm. it's so good, also for you out there. I mean, <clears throat> Bonaventure, he has been traveling around. I don't know how many countries he visited in Africa, east, west, south. And of course, you have a different insight because mm-hmm. you meet people, you talk to people, you take mm-hmm. your time. Since you're in that art field, mm-hmm. you also come with a different background. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that you're background is also academic mm-hmm. and and this is what i found so re- mm-hmm. so interesting about mm-hmm. your work you know how mm-hmm. you observe and how mm-hmm. you translate it mm-hmm. and i think this is also for young artists and also young designers so interesting to mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. because the question is also for them how to yeah first of all find the language and then exactly. you mm-hmm. know how do you do know. that i don't know yeah. if you, there's this young mm-hmm. woman in in Côte d'Ivoire, yes. called Leticia Key or Leticia Kai, something. She's the one doing the hair, uh, you know, it's Holy. incredible work. Uh-huh. Leticia Key, mm-hmm. KY. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, now and I have she, happy picture. And, you know, she's been working on her hair, you mm-hmm. know, producing different forms. You yes. know, sometimes, you know, just, and it's always a self portrait. Yeah. And she would use her hair to make ovaries, the ovaries of a woman. Yeah. She would use her hair to make a gun. Mm-hmm. She would use her hair mm-hmm. to make a guitar. She would use her hair to make, you know, so it's, it's, I mean, you know, you know, as you said it earlier, there's so much knowledge in the hair. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people have written about that, you know, from the fact that it's almost as, an architectural form yeah. presentation, you know. So, um, for example, the work of uh, the, the, the uh, Malian photographer Sogodogo mm-hmm. was very much looking at, you know, uh, architecture, but also, you know, um, you know, Nigerian photo, the, the very important Nigerian photographer and, and others that have been working on hair. But she is doing it in a different way. It becomes sculptural on her body, you know, and that is it, you know. So finding your language, finding your position. And I think at age 24, she's doing an incredible work, you know. Um, But we also know that, you know, in the past, you know, during the Middle Passage, uh, at a moment where Africans were being enslaved and taken to the so-called new world, you know, mm-hmm. mothers mm-hmm. heat grains of rice in the hair mm-hmm. of their daughters, mm-hmm. you know, so that when they go over to that new world, they have something to plant, mm-hmm. grains of corn and other, you know, food, you yes. know, in their hair. Mm-hmm. So when they, when they, 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 they um, um, you know, Types of rice mm-hmm. or, or some other grains that you find yes. in the Americas that are so clearly from the African continent, mm-hmm. and people have done work to prove that that it came through this way. We also know that you know, at some moment, you know, people plaited their hair, you know, to show escape routes, yes, exactly, you know, and yeah. so on and so forth. So it's it's you know, it is not, it is never just the aesthetic. It's always also the meaning. 
in this in school hand in hand. So I think your question about uh, finding one's voice, finding one's language also has to do, in my opinion, with a dedication towards <clears throat> knowledge, you know. Yeah. I think uh, one of the things I would like also to, to, to do more is to create these spaces of learning, you know. So Absolutely. I would be interested, for example, in seeing you put up a center in yeah. Uganda where, you, you know, people can go and learn about, you know, the history of textile making in Uganda, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I will be happy to see where people of this generation, you know, understand how back cloth is made. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's incredible. You know, there are artists now, you know, uh, um, mm-hmm. I think, well, I've forgotten his name, just keep my mind. Yeah. Uh, but, but what he. Painting on back cloth. Yeah, mm. yeah. What I just wanted to add, this is so bright what you're saying, because the exhibition I curated last mm-hmm. year, Connecting yeah. Afro Futures, Fashion mm-hmm. Hair and Design, mm-hmm. I curated this exhibition together with two colleagues Mm. and it was so important for me to of course show designers who use African textiles, Mm. who have Mm. the idea of it, who understand what it means Mm. and there was um, the designer Jose Hendo, Ugandan, who is one of the first ones I discovered Mm. really using back cloth Mm. And, and she expressed herself she created and you're so right this Mm -hmm. is a good idea to work on Mm -hmm. a space to pass on the knowledge to Mm -hmm. you know because this is what i also see we we need spaces we need Mm -hmm. to talk about we need to have our conversations Mm -hmm. we need to open up spaces and pass over knowledge exactly but we also need to look deeper within our societies you know because i think the temptation is always to look at you know, I mean, we could do both, you know, but not only to look at, you know, London or okay. New York or Paris, but to look at Kano mm. in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, you know, really, you know, okay. this is this is a designer called uh, Busayo. I just yeah. uh, learned of her work a few few weeks ago uh, through a friend of mine, uh, Adama Delphine Fawundu, mm-hmm. and Adama sent me a few links of her work and it really I, I thought it was stunning and I looked at the website you know and she had gone to Kano for example mm-hmm. to look at the the Intigo dying wells you yes. know she's working on you know Adire you know yes. you know different tie and dye methods you know mm-hmm. different color palettes you know yes. putting them together mixing them juxtaposing them you know what does it give and then she's also experimenting with forms you know which i what i see in there i don't know if it is the case but looking at you know cbd you Mm -hmm. know writing Mm -hmm. forms you know and the way i think i mean i'm not very sure about her menswear but Mm -hmm. i think what she's doing with the female wear is incredible you know so i mean so what am I trying to say? Yeah. That younger artists, younger fashion designers should look up 
to people like Busayo. Yes. Look up to people like uh, Duro. Duro. Look up to people like um, uh, uh, um, Abu Wakafufana. Mm-hmm. Look up to, to, to even younger people like Elitisha Ki mm-hmm. and so on and see how they found their language or the, their own search to find a language, you know. I think yeah. that's very important. Or you look at what somebody like... Um, Machinois is doing, yeah, you know, yeah. which again I find because you know, what mm. is good with Machinois, mm-hmm. they're here in the diaspora, mm-hmm. but they're also present in Togo. That is what I think is, yeah, and this is also exactly good that you're giving that example because for mm-hmm. the kids in the diaspora, mm-hmm. you know, we're dealing with our space, our mm-hmm. environment, mm-hmm. we are not on the continent mm-hmm. here. In the diaspora, yes. So and I but, think yeah, Marshall mm, But you think you mm. know? I think nobody is stopping anyone from being on the continent. You know, the diaspora. You know, I mean, we can we can talk about this, but I think we need another long session to talk about yes. this. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, because I've been I've I've been a you know a reader of 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 uh, Edouard Glisson and trying to understand. You know, trying to to yeah. to study. You know through his writings, his interviews, and so on and so forth. And one thing I've always come back to, mm. you know, is his reflections about the diaspora, mm. you know. And in this um, boat travel he did with Mantia Jawara, and Mantia asked him, what does the diaspora mean to you? Something similar. And he said, it means the consent not to be a single being. You know, okay. which is a pledge of of multiplicity, the concern not to be a single being. Now, the diaspora means that you're not just one. You're not just within one space. You're in multiple spaces. But then he goes ahead to talk about the fact that Africans have always been diasporic, because okay. there's always been movement on the African continent. You've always been movement. So even within Uganda, yeah. the people have always been moving, you yeah. know. And I think that is the complexity of it. So the diaspora doesn't limit you to, you know, the fact that one was born in Germany means one has to, to, to function within this space. Yeah. But no, you know, you are multiple beings, mm. you know. So you can, of course, go wherever on the continent and also find space, but also in other places, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this also because it's very interesting to see, you know, because you know, one of my very few passions is collecting textiles, you know. Okay, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, Good. Uh, un- I mean, I see you. because uh, a lot of... Exactly, yeah. just for the people outside, mm. it's a pity you can't see Bonner because oh. what I'm seeing, what he's wearing, oh. wow. Wow. Well, um, <laughs> but, but, I mean, maybe I'll say something about what yeah. I'm wearing because I think it's also... Interesting somehow because um, it's a, it's a pink quarter from India, you know, um, which I find interesting. You know, it's longish. It reminds me somehow of also of the bubu. You yes. Know? Okay. Yeah. Now, but but the pants and 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 uh, and the. You know the kimono. Yes, so it's, a kimono. it's a kimono. Yes, it's a kimono. So it's a it's a kind of a Japanese um, piece, but it's it's part of an artwork by Antonio Guzman. You know, who's an artist from Panama. 
Okay. So so he uses this in his performances, you know. So he does this um huge performances with, with hundreds of people and they do a procession, you know. Wow. And the way this and the and the and they make music. Now, this is a score. Now, but this is from his you know, from his DNA. Oh, right. You know, so you imagine somebody taking his the genetic code and translating translating it into a fabric wow know, into into you know form so you see these things like dots yes you know, or, yes. Or, you know the, the, the kind of translations from his genetic fabric so he works with Eva Jankovic who's based in Amsterdam and together they make this okay. this, this outfit you know and I think uh, now why am I talking about this I'm talking about it because of what you said earlier you know but you see the number of countries that come together, you know, from India yes. through Japan with the kimono, yes. through Panama yes. and through the Netherlands, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, so, so it's so much coming together, you know, and I think that's also fine, <laughs> you know. Wow. Wonderful. So we always have on Fashion Africa Now podcast mm -hmm. two key questions. Okay. What does fashion mean to you? Hmm. Number one. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> as I said, um, fashion. You know, means to me just the stories I want to tell. It means, you know, what reveals it. It's it is that which reveals what is in the inner mind. Uh, fashion is um, telling your history. So there was an exhibition in Canada. Uh, I've forgotten uh, the curator of that exhibition, but it was the title was something like uh, "We Wear Our Histories," which I thought was a beautiful thing to yes. do. So it was indigenous uh, uh, fabrics and uh, outfits presented in a museum. So these artworks were worn, you know, and I think that is that is what fashion means to me: wearing your history, wearing your politics, wearing your your position in the world, you know, presenting it, you know. So fashion is, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I wrote about this a couple of years ago, that I consider that there are different. Museums. There are primary and secondary museums. The body is the primary museum. So, fashion to me is an exposition, a daily exhibition in the primary or on the primary museum. The museum we consider a museum is just a secondary museum. You know, because I consider this the primary museum because it is, you know, with every movement you make, you, you kind of engage in performativity. You know, so you're revealing something about yourself, the way you gesticulate, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, you know. So it's, a lot. it's the knowledge you have embodied in you, you know. So, so that is what fashion means to me. Wow. Thank you for that statement. How do you define your role in this movement? Hmm. I don't know if there's a movement. I don't know. I don't know. 
this also good? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you maybe know, if you think movements. of yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. There are many mm-hmm. movements. I mean, mm-hmm. we are in this decade, 2020, mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot. A lot happened, mm-hmm. and maybe you can pick one movement. Mm. Well. <clears throat> There's so much going on, you know. So I, maybe I'll just talk about what the most recent thing that happened, which was the changing of the M Strasse to the Anton Wilhelm Amos Strasse, yeah. you know, which I think. And so on Friday, I went to the demo, to, you know, to talk. And yesterday, again, I went to the demonstration to talk there. And I think it's something that is very dear to me because I just, you know, uh, there's an exhibition I curated in Braunschweig. Uh, that started in March and is running to mid-September with the title The Faculty of Sensing, you know, thinking with, through, by Anton Willem Amo, you know. So just to say one or two words about that, because to me it's more than a movement. It's so so important because Anton Willem Amo was uh, kidnapped as a kid uh, in 1703, I was born in 1703 and kidnapped in around 1707 and brought to Europe, you know. He was the, from to, Ghana. From Ghana, right. from Axim. And was brought to the Netherlands, you know, and where he was then further given as a gift to the Duke of Braunschweig, you know, uh, as a kid, you know. When he came to Germany, uh, to Braunschweig at the time, you know, he was baptized and given the name Anton, after the Duke, uh, Wilhelm, after the son of the Duke, Rudolf, another son of the Duke, and then later Amo, you know. But in his whole works, he signed with two other names, you know, Afa Guinea. Afa meaning black, so he said, I am Anton Wilhelm Amo, the black man from Guinea, you know, because that region was called Guinea at the time. So we know that he later became a philosopher. He became a, a, um, a scholar of law. Mm-hmm. In, in uh, 1729, he wrote this thesis called On the Rights of uh, the Moors, the Blacks in Europe, and later wrote about you know, the, the, the body-mind question you know, in, in, in the Apatheia. He wrote about the impossibility of sensing in the mind, and uh, but sensing in the body, you know, which I think are very important work. So the movement to me now is situating such figures within the curriculum. The movement to me is how do we learn from such figures? Because we're questioning and talking about black, how black lives matter today, but how do we put it in relation to what he wrote in 1729? Because he was talking about the rights of black people in Europe at the time. So you cannot talk about black lives mattering today without seeing that. Yes. And I think that is important. So to me, that is a movement. The movement is an epistemic movement. It's a movement of knowledge. So how do we learn from this kind of figures, you know. How do we not only get fascinated by, by their biographies, but actually look into what they wrote, what they did, you know, and so on and so forth. So that to me is, is what, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it answers your question, but I'm trying to 
to think through such figures, wow. you know. And we'll, we'll bring the exhibition to Berlin, uh, present it at Savi Contemporary in December. So, I mean, you're, you're heartily welcome to, 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 to see, you know. And, I mean, the work he did, it's, it's so important because, because he basically also talks about feeling, you know, yeah. about, you know, the body. And I, I really think that it's impossible to think about, you know, uh, phenomenology as a as a as a as a philosophy without thinking of of uh, Anton Wilhelm Amor as a uh, a precursor, yeah. as a you know um, as somebody who had done phenomenology before it was even called that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that to me is the movement. Wow. But as I said, there are many other movements, you know. Um, yeah. Yes. It's also very important to swim against certain movements. <laughs> yeah. Swim against the stream. True. True. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This was amazing and great explanation. And as you could hear, Bona, he's aware of so much. And just for you to know, Savi, it's an art space, but it has also an incredible library. So, because I know it's not always easy to access information, to find the right books. So please, if you're in Berlin, don't miss out to check Savi. Mm. And Bonamini. For, exa for example, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, whoever is listening, you know, if you're interested in Backlot, for example, you know, you come to Savi, we have a few books on, on backcloth, you know, if you're interested in Kubashua, we have a few, one, a few, one of the few incredible publications on the Kubashua, you know, or if you're interested in the Bogolan, or in dyeing of different kinds, you know, or in weaving techniques, you know, we, I just got a, a beautiful, beautiful book published a few decades ago um, about the weaving Technology in Cameroon, for example, you know, this is just stunning work, you know, so, and um, the library is growing, so we're also open for recommendations because we, it's never enough, we constantly learn, so coming to the Savvy Library is not only to learn, but also to bring knowledge, you know, so. Yes, yeah. amazing. Wow, I really love this conversation thank you it's a pity we're mm -hmm. coming to an end but i think it should be a second round uh, with pleasure wonderful with pleasure because there's so much what we couldn't even tackle yes, yes and yes. it's always important to keep up the conversation oh definitely definitely you know? i would like you to look at you know also for the next conversation you know you know the the, the part of cameroon i come from there is a fabric called the togo. Okay. There is an outfit called the togo, you know, mm -hmm. which is usually on black satin, but uh, with embroidery. Oh, you right. Know, with incredible forms. Yes. So the togo, T-O-G-H-O. -O. Mm -hmm. And it's just so fascinating, you know. And people have been wearing this for so many years. Years and decades and okay. so on, you know. I mean, we come from such rich cultures, you know. We don't need this super flashy, you know, mm -hmm. 
projections of the West on us. You know, Olu Gibe once wrote an interesting post uh, on Facebook a few years ago where he said he doesn't know where this f uh, idea of you know, like super mixed colors, flashy, disorderly colors in relation to Africa comes from. Because he said, if you look at most African fabrics, they're either yeah. monochrome or just very few colors. And even the patterns are quite structured, you know. Yes. Which I found very interesting. And he's Graphic. right. Yes, yeah, the graphic, graphic forms. Yeah, yeah, graphic definitely. forms. Yeah. So, which I think he, he was right about, you know. And I think his suspicion was that that is also part of the colonial projection of Afri on Africans, you know. The disorderly, the, you know, okay. uh, the color mixtures and so on and so forth, which some of us have appropriated and think that that is actually who we are. Okay. You know, so I think we really need to be careful there, you know. So there are patterns which we have to use, which we have to, but we should always look at what is actually from where mm -hmm. and what does it mean, you know, and not to fall into, you know, the projections. Yes, this is a good, a good one. Mm -hmm. Do not fall into the projections. Wow. And for you out there, Bona, he's currently a professor in um, Spatial Strategies MA program at the Weissensee Academy of Art in Berlin. So for you to know where you can find him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because um, we need to, yeah, keep up this conversation and, and, and educate and, and give access to information because knowledge is powerful and it's a, it's a pleasure. I learned today a lot as well. I learned a lot too. Thank you. Thank you. And, Thanks um, for having me. Yes. So you were listening to Beatrice and Bonaventure. <laughs>